Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am so excited that you are here. And today I have, again, if you guys are not on the Clubhouse app, you need to get on it because the conversation in the community that is on that app is pretty epic. And this the, this man, Phil, I have Phil here. Um, he is an incredible, incredible business person and has just, he's just elevated speakers and, and business owners and whatnot to get to the next level. So Phil, I'm going to pass you the mic and kind of introduce yourself. You bet. Yeah. My name is Phil Jones. I've been in business since I was 14 years of age. I started washing cars of my neighbors and, and went on to build a fairly cash rich business by my 15th birthday that had me making more money than my school teachers. <laughs> um, what else is, 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 yeah, I then went from entrepreneurial journeys in my teens to become youngest ever sales manager for one of the biggest department store groups in the UK, helped turn around one of the largest furniture retailers in the UK. What else did I do? I built a big property business. And then 2007, 2008, when the world changed, is I kept getting invited into small business networking groups to say, hey, Phil, can you help our people think differently about how to navigate uh, rebuilding business following recession, winning new clients in times of change. So I started to speak to those audiences for fun um, and then went from there with people saying, hey, can you teach us more around this and, and build a sales training organization off the back of that, build a coaching business off the back of that, build a consulting business off the back of that. Um, wrote my first book 2011. Uh, and since all of that, today, as we record this at the end of 2021, um, I've now had the privilege of serving over 800 different industries, 59 different countries, five different continents, written eight best-selling books, trained about 2 million people. Um, and still my work really only falls into three areas. One is, is helping people acquire more customers. Mm. Two is helping people to get customers to come back more often. And three is helping people to get people to spend more money each and every time they shop. So and I've learned that like, if you do those three things pretty well, you can live a fairly abundant life. So let's kind of talk about that. I kind of how how do you how do you start teaching these early entrepreneurs in in leveling up and and having that communication, having those that, the right conversations with the right people. Um, I mean, people say it starts with why, but in my experience, it really starts with who. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us are in the service business. There's two questions that everybody needs to know the answer to before they lean into success in any type of business. And the two questions are really is, is one is who are the people you're looking to help? And then two is what are the challenges, obstacles, problems that you're trying to help solve for? And so many people, when they start in a business, they think, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this. And everything is about success through self-success. Mm-hmm. Yet, actually, 
to exceed uh, own expectations as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, then you really have to be coming from a place of service. You have to decide who the people are that you're looking to be able to serve, get crystal clear on who those people are that you're looking to serve, and then find problems you can help them solve that are worth it. Mm. And lots of people don't find problems that they can solve that are worth it. They find problems they can solve, problems that might help, problems that could be interesting, but not problems that are worth it, and wonder why they don't get paid. Because you're trying to solve something somebody's interested in, not something somebody needs or something that's really going to make it worth its while. Um, and I think people set their stall out inadequately most of the time because they don't have clarity about that. Now, if you know who the people are you're looking to sell, serve, and the problems you're looking to solve for them, then all your critical conversations become is curiosity-laden conversations with people you've pre-identified. Mm-hmm. Where what you're looking to be able to do is to uncover, do they have the kind of problem you're looking to help solve? If they do, how big is that problem? And if they do have a problem that's big enough, how much do they care about solving it? Then if all those things add up, well, the path forward is obviously yes. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think people often overcomplicate it because... They're like, yeah, but what should a discovery call it like? Or, or yeah, but how do I close them? Or like, you know, what, what should my pitch be? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Like, like, we live in a world where prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. Mm. What do I mean by that? Like, if you walked into a doctor's surgery and the doctor said, you should take these pills, they're fantastic. Let me tell you a thousand reasons why these pills are brilliant. Take two of these a day and you'll be able to do things you could only dream of. You'd be like, are you kidding Yet, if the doctor sits you down, asks some questions, understands your symptoms, maybe runs a test or two, and then tells you that the thing you need is these pills, what do you now do? You now do as you're told. And I think this is what people get wrong about sales or influence or persuasion is that they think the job is to be able to embellish something so that people will like it. The job is to question everything to the point that your option is the only option that's left or the obvious choice. Mm. That, that's the difference. So, so, so people just need to be more curious towards a predetermined group of people to help identify a problem that you've decided is worth it. No, I love that. And I, because there are so many uh, people out there that um, I'm talking about like salespeople in general that are just like, they're not truthful. You know, they're just kind of just saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm, you're, you're going to make so much money and blah, blah, blah. But I think what you were saying is, is so true. You have to really, and it's really digging into yourself, right. And right. really getting to the point of what you want to, who you want to serve, you what you want celebrate to celebrate at the wrong point, right? Like yep. the point is not the point of transaction. Yep. The victory is when you over deliver on the promise that somebody paid for. Mm. that's the victory that we should be looking for. So if you don't believe you can achieve the outcome that you're promising, you shouldn't ask for money in between. Right. And I think that really means that if you're not convinced, you cannot convince. Right. The first sale needs to happen on yourself. But you have to believe you're worth it. Not just that you believe that you're worth it, but you're worth it to them at that point in time for that. Mm -hmm. And that's a part that just gets missed. No, I agree. I agree with you. And let's, so let's talk about your book. Um, Exactly right. <laughs> the, exactly what to say. Okay. So what? What made first of all? What made you even consider writing this book? And mm. who are they trying to serve? Who are you trying to serve in this book? Okay. Um, I mean, I've written a number of books through the years. The mm. creation of exactly what to say as a book 
came at quite a pivotal point in my career when I was moving from having a fairly strong international client base and looking to be able to repurpose my career more strategically into North America. It was combining with a move that was happening at the time. My wife and I were looking to be able to relocate here. And I purposefully wanted to do more work in North America rather than being dragged back to Europe or going into South America or spending time um, out in other parts of the world. But I wanted to look in here and felt I needed a book to be able to do it. And instead of writing a brand new book, exactly what to say is actually a rewrite of one of my earlier books, a book called Magic Words. And um, it, it's me doing justice to what I should have done with a book that I liked touched many, many moons ago. So I churned out Magic Words as a, as a seven-day challenge following a mastermind group I was on back in about 2011, 2012. It was a bit of fun. And exactly what to say is the, the repackaged, real credible version of that, that piece. So I already knew that I had, you know, quote, unquote, the greatest hits, right? Like right, this was right. like releasing an EP for fun with the live recording of the thing, but then realizing you should probably put this in the album. <laughs> so that's what exactly what to say was. Why, um, why did I write it, though, is, is I've spoken to dozens of different audiences, thousands of different industries, and more often than not, the question would come back is, yeah, but, you know, exactly what shall I say? Mm. Can you tell me exactly what to say? And people would say things like, I just wish I had you, like, on my shoulder or in my pocket or, like, in the back of my head and all these key critical conversations. And, and I wanted to be able to distill it uh, and give people the power to be able to have more confidence in so that was the primary purpose of the book. There was more to it as well, though, is I wanted to go against the grain of what a book was. See, historically, um, for a book to be deemed as a book, it, it needs to be about 35,000 words. It needs to have a thick spine on it. People want you to fill it up with case studies and other fluff and crap that nobody really needs in order for it to be able to win the shelf equity in a Barnes & Noble or in any other form of bookstore. And I just didn't believe that that was true. Mm. I believe that people are precious of time. I believe that people want to get straight to the good bit. I believe that people want to be able to take instant action and that we are time poor yet hungry for information. I wanted to write a book that served that. So I tried to write the biggest little book possible. Instead of teaching principles about influence and persuasion, proving people with how much I know about human psychology and what it means to be able to make people think, I thought, what happens if I leave all that stuff out and dive straight into the example? Mm. And what I figured is, and this has come through years of training and bringing this stuff into keynotes too, is that if I give people the example quickly and I give them the example concisely enough so they can see themselves in the example, they understand the principle real quick. And you don't have to explain the principle with anywhere near as much detail because they get it because they can see themselves in it. That's what exactly what to say was as a book is, you know, there could be a five-year a graduate degree course that sits behind this and you still only understand what's in the book. But it mm. was really like, like, how do I write the biggest little book possible? Uh, and I think that's what we managed to create. And then how do I write it for everybody, but not for everybody with the consideration of everybody I've ever worked with and then re-edited the book through the lens of like, okay, how would this serve, you know, a mid-level leader in a pharmaceutical company? Okay, it's really through that lens. How would this serve somebody brand new in business that's just started um, with their first MLM? It's really through that lens. How would this serve an experienced sales professional who's been in variety of industries over their whole life? It's really through that lens. How does this help a mom who's looking to be able to get better influence of their kids to be able to do things that they're currently resisting? 
read it through that lens. So although I would typically say you cannot produce something for everybody, Hmm. you can if you consider everybody. So it was written through the lens of like eight, 900 very specific groups of people and then tested back through that lens. No, and I would love to get into, let's talk about the, like how, how to have the, the com- those conversations and like catching yourself in those moments of maybe that wasn't the right way to say it or like, how, like what kind of tips could you give to the, obviously I want everybody to get your book, but what kind of tips could you give to that business, that new business owner that's trying to, you know, have those people interested in their business and they want to say it in the right way. So what kind of tips would you, what kind of tips? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we can jump on this and jam it for a second, but let's have some fun with it in the first, first instance. Mm-hmm. Firstly, no, the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so give some time to think about your words before they leave your mouth. Let's also then, then, then think about something else. Like, and if I was asking you to think about some adjectives that would describe a stereotypical salesperson, what kind of adjectives would you reach for? I would say, like what, like what they, what they would look people yeah. for. Like stereotypical. So stay in that light. Like, what are people thinking about when they think about stereotypical salesperson? Adjective to describe. Like salesy. <laughs> Yeah, salesy, sleazy, pushy, right. slimy, obnoxious, yeah. a liar, like you're selling them the truth. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that jumps to mind. And then if I ask you to think not about a stereotypical salesperson, but a professional salesperson instead, what adjectives do you reach for next? Community, relationships. Yeah, we're community-minded, we're caring, we're honest, we're authentic, we're knowledgeable, we act with integrity, right? It's a completely different set of words. Mm. And in that tiny example, there's a couple of things to catch. Firstly, is, is being a salesperson is not a bad thing. The perception of being a salesperson is what's the bad thing. So if anybody ever says the words to you that you're a great salesperson, that is not a compliment. It means you've been caught mm-hmm. trying to sell something to somebody. So we shouldn't be looking for applause for our sales skills. In fact, mentally up here, what we should be chasing is gratitude. We should be chasing the words thank you from the people that we're looking to try and serve. And we should push that thank you further down the tracks. Not instant gratification, long-term committed gratification that goes the distance. That's the chase. If you're a job well done, gratification that lasts. People saying thank you, they still feel thankful for six months past the point. So that's your fuel. Tiny massive lesson in that same example too that's important is in that example, I changed one word and you changed all of the words, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. So therefore, could it be possible that the words you're reaching for are resulting in other people not seeing what you're saying? Answer that question is, of course, yes. People are seeing different images than what you're projecting. Why? Because you didn't pick the right words at the right kind of time. Let's push this a stage further still. Is finish this sentence for me. If you do not ask. You won't get. Right? We know that to be true. If you do not ask, you do not get. In fact, your success is in direct correlation to the quantity of quality asks that you make in your life. Period. Mm-hmm. That is what defines successful people, the quantity of quality asks that they make in life. You knew that. You also know that if you do not ask, you do not get. Yet still, why do most people not ask for the things they want in life? What stops people from asking? Fear, judgment. Right? We live in this world of fear. What are we fearful of? 
uh, the answer, the, the, that, that dreaded no answer or, you know. We're fearful of a no, right? We're fearful of some form of rejection. So we're so fearful of a no, we choose no. Huh, play with that for a second. We're so fearful of a no, we choose no. This is crazy. And what I can do to help in this scenario, if you're looking for tips, is why don't I give you a handful of rejection-free opening points? Some sequences of words that you can use to get just about anybody to agree to just about anything and to be completely rejection-free. That's what I look to be able to do here. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of some magic words from the book. And, um, you know, one would be a rejection-free opening formula that could allow you to become pulley, not pushy. See, if I wanted somebody to consider my idea, I'd preface my ask with the words, I'm not sure if it's for you. Hmm. If I preface my ask with the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, then the little voice inside your head does a couple of things. First thing it says is, well, um, well I'll be the judge of that. Right? It takes responsibility mm-hmm. for the fact that a decision needs to be made, that decision is mine to make. The second thing it does is, is curiosity is piqued. Tell me, what is it? Tell me, what is it? <laughs> but I put a three-letter word on the end of this inviting formula. A three-letter word that carries immense power is the word but. See, what people often think the word but does is it negates what was said prior to it. But that isn't what the word but does. What but actually does is it shifts focus to next. So if I wanted you to consider my idea and I'd say, I'm not sure if it's for you, but... Mm-hmm. let's have a look at how that would play out give me an example of any form of business that exists in anybody that you know that might be listening to this show right now let's we'll see if we can jam some real examples here. um all right so say you're you're in an mlm right uh and they're it's a it's a health and wellness business right okay well let's play that out right mm-hmm. hey i'm not sure if it's for you but you wouldn't happen to know somebody out of spare maybe 20 hours a week looking to earn an extra few hundred bucks a month would you I, I, I'm sure I do. I can, I can find out for you for sure. Right, but you see how that's an easy ask. And sometimes people mm-hmm. say, yeah, me, you idiot, me. Hey, I'm not sure if it's for you, but you wouldn't happen to know somebody who's looking to maybe lose an extra pound, a few extra pounds ahead of the holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. me, you dumb nuts. <laughs> right. Right? It is often what it can be. Or worst case the scenario, they say, I'll have a thing for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not sure if it's for you, but I've been having huge success by taking these pills that have allowed me to be able to really enhance my sleep. See what it does is it just creates a space for somebody to be able to say, tell me some more about that. There's no rejection. We're just leaving something out there on the table for somebody to lean into. There's one example of a tiny tip. The words, I'm not sure if it's for you, but I'll give you one more as well, knowing that we're tight on time. Yes. <clears throat> is we have to be able to actually just, just maybe take a little psychological lesson. Hmm. Is if I asked a room of a thousand people, who in this room would see themselves as open-minded? How many hands do you think are going to go up? Not a lot. True answer is somewhere like most of them. I ask a room of people, who in this room sees themselves as open-minded, somewhere like most of the hands mm-hmm. shoot towards the sky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do we take from that? We take the fact that the whole world likes to see themselves as open-minded. It's a fact. Why? Because what's the alternative? It's not even really closed-minded. Yeah. The alternative is like an idiot. Like nobody says, yeah, closed-minded me. Like there's not anything people want to volunteer to be. So the whole world likes to see themselves as open-minded. When you establish that fact and then you apply it to a different principle, the principle is that the person who is controlling the conversation is the one who's asking the questions. We take that principle and we apply it to that fact. We get an inviting point. 
The inviting formula would be, how open-minded would you be to? Let's use your same example of an MLM within mm-hmm. the health and nutrition space. How open-minded would you be to maybe using a few of your extra hours to earn a serious part-time income working around your existing commitments? I'll hear you out. Yeah. How mm-hmm. open-minded would you be to understanding um, how some of our benefits have been supported, some of our products have been supporting people like yourselves? Tell me about it. Yeah. How open-minded would you be to hosting an event in your house with people who are passionate about health and nutrition? I would love that. Let's, let's, let me listen to more. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. See how what it does is it just allows you to insert something as an idea. You have to be aware of the fact that the people are allowed to say no thank you. Mm. Rejection is part of the game, but know what they're doing is they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to it. There's a big difference. Big, big difference. They're not even just saying no to it. They're saying no to it right now, which I think is, again, another important differentiator. Because what you can then do is detach yourself from more of those outcomes. I mean, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to it. They're not saying no to it. They're saying no to it right now, which means they might say yes to it at some point in time in the future. Yet they're still not saying no to you. I mean, ask yourself this if you're listening at home right now. Is there anything you've purchased or decided upon in the last six months that you wouldn't have dreamed of purchasing or deciding upon three years ago? Answer is probably heck yes. But even me speaking to you, Danielle, right now, if I told you the amount of money that you'd have spent on podcast hosting and equipment in order to be able to actually deliver this show, you'd be like, not me. (laughs) Right? And here we are, sat in November of 2021, and you're looking around. Look at all this stuff I bought. Right. <laughs> your circumstances change. And other people's circumstances change all the time, which is why you have to keep rolling the dice. Being mm. passionate about the people that you help, being passionate about the problems you can help solve for them, and then being brave enough to ask. Not to guarantee an outcome, being brave enough to ask. And here's, I guess, a final thought around this whole asking for the things that you want in life is no is not the enemy. No is not the enemy of yes. Maybe is the enemy. Mm. Indecision is the enemy. Your job is to be able to offer your services to people that might need your help and accept that they have to make a decision about whether they want to say yes or they want to say no. If they're saying maybe, you failed. If they say yes, you succeeded. If they say no, thank you, you succeeded. But if they say maybe, you didn't do your job. And I think that's freeing. That should allow you to be able to actually flirt with more, more scenarios to potentially get yourself into more of the conversations that you could turn into more opportunities that can, you know, bleed relationships that you do business with. I mean, I, I hope everybody is writing notes down because I think you just gave like a masterclass just, just in these like 20 minutes. But um, I wanted to, like my last question for you. I mean, you have incredible accolades and you, you're an incredible businessman. What kind of legacy do you want to leave your family? I just want to do great work. Hmm. That's it. And I want to do better tomorrow than I did yesterday. Um, I'm in a very unique position in the fact that I've already outperformed everything I imagined for myself as a child. Hmm. And I don't think about legacy. I think about great work. I'm also what I believe to be humble enough to know that, that, that like, if my headstone reads guy that wrote exactly what to say, I'm good with that. Mm. 
I'd wanted to say great husband, devoted father, you know, passionate about serving other people in the community and prepared to be able to give back. You know, selfless would be something I'd like people to use as an adjective to describe me. But not much more than that. I'm not, you know, my, my purpose is to help other people do better. Mm. And I hope I can do that all the time I have. Well, I know that you're already doing that with 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 all the accomplishments that you've already made. You're you're I mean, you've helped so many people. So thank you're you. living you're living up to that a hundred percent. Thank you, thank you. So my last thing is where can my um listeners find you? I'm gonna put everything in our show notes. Yeah, first. I mean it should be pretty easy to find. Um, particularly if you use my middle initials. So Phil Space M Space Jones, you should be able to find me just about anywhere that you would look to be able to bump into a professional, whether that's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Website is philmjones.com. If you're interested in learning more about the book, just type exactly what to say. You'll find it in any format that you're looking for. And what I will introduce you to is a as a cool new thing, just because it's very much front of mind now and it launches mm-hmm. tomorrow is um, we have a video book coming out. So where you get to watch exactly what to say it is only the seventh professional video book ever produced on the planet through wow. a brand platform called Lit Video Books. And I'm so stoked about seeing that come to life because it's, it's like a documentary where you get to be able to learn my work in an infotainment environment where you know, instead of watching a Netflix show, you get to be able to watch something that is with actors, with documentary around it, with some interview from me. It's really kind of cool. Um, and it's fun that that exists. It's, it's, it's that, so, that's yeah. incredible. Like, yeah. and, and going into that whole like metaverse type of thing, that, that's the next step, right? For yeah. books. And like, that's, that is awesome. Yeah, you get to watch a book as opposed to read a book or listen to a book. And it's, and it's, and it's not like an audio book is you just reading what you wrote. Right. Um, this is a production that is about you know, understanding people learn visually, people learn through audio, people learn through through understanding. And it, and it really, the work that Lit have done in order to be able to produce this is, is world-class. It's like Emmy award-winning um, directors and producers and, and they've poured a ton of money at it. And, and yeah, I looked at it and I'm like, dang, that's me, that's cool. That's so cool. And when does it, when does it come out? Comes out tomorrow, which I guess oh, is wow. why it's front of mind. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> this launches tomorrow, and we are here on November the 18th for this period of time. So I think the launch is November the 19th, 2021. Well, that is so exciting. Congratulations for that. And um, I just appreciate you with taking the time out and, and sharing your knowledge and uh, with, with my listeners. I truly appreciate it. A huge, huge pleasure. And I, you know, I wish everybody every success in the world that they're prepared to work for. So thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate you.